Welcome to Revive Health's Daily Briefing Live for Wednesday, April 8th. Our 30-minute review of the latest, most important news, resources, and advice for health system marketers and communicators dealing with COVID-19. I'm not Chris Bevelo, your normal host. Uh, Chris is uh, got a prior commitment today, so my name's Jeff Spear. I'm your guest host today, Senior Strategist at Revive Health. Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow and do all the great things he always does. Today, joined by Chase Kleckner, Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health. Hi, Chase. Hey, Jeff. Good to have you here. Thanks. Appreciate being being here. Chase is our show producer and makes everything happen. Uh, also today, we're joined by Ben Fuqua, uh, VP of Analytics at Revive Health. Ben's been practicing analytics for more than 25 years and joined Revive Health several years ago from HCA. Ben, how are you doing today? Hey, Jeff. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Ben, can you just tell the, our listeners here a little bit about your background? Sure. I've been doing analytics across a number of industries for a very long time. Um, got involved in marketing within retail and travel and transportation, started doing a lot of customer centricity work, which we bring to kind of our approach for communicating with patients for our health provider clients. So great place to be. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Sure. Okay, we're going to get started here. Just a couple of our normal uh, caveats, information, and disclaimers for the show. So as with each show, we'll cover the latest news, how it relates to marketing communications, give you a couple of resources today um, that hopefully will be helpful. As we move through, please, uh, if you've got questions, use the question queue in Zoom to line up your questions, and we'll get to as many of them as possible, probably about five to 10 minutes at the end of the show. Um, you can also use a chat function to talk to other attendees, but if you want us to answer a question, use that Q&A button. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now. Uh, search for Revive Health Daily Briefing Live. Uh, we'll be posting the recording of the episode by the end of today. Um, you can also get it from our website at thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19. There's also other content up there, including consumer survey that we're going to be talking about today. Finally, a couple other notes. We are not experts on COVID-19, so this is not a place for medical or scientific advice. We do have opinions on marketing communications and how uh, many of you can use this information we're talking about today, manage through the crisis and post-crisis, um, but everyone's situation is unique. So we understand, uh, make the decisions best for you. You can always check in with us if you want to talk more. Chase, did I cover everything I was supposed to cover? That was excellent. All right. So let's begin. Um, we, we always want to start with the latest uh, count of cases and impact of COVID um, to keep tabs on how the crisis is growing globally in the U.S. Um, and, and hopefully soon how it's proceeding. That context is always important. Um, we don't want to overlook it. So we use Johns Hopkins tools for that. Um, and we've got um, a link there. But today, right now, as of the moment, 401,166 confirmed cases in the United States, uh, 12,936 deaths. And um, the, the uptick is, is big. Yeah, Jeff, really. I think we've heard that yeah. this is going to be a difficult week for a while and uh, the numbers aren't slowing down at all. No, and uh, I live in California, Chase and Ben are in Tennessee and Nashville. 
then even in Los Angeles uh, yesterday, they've asked everybody not to even leave their homes for the week, uh, not to go to the grocery store mm -hmm. because they think it's, it's an important week to keep the peak down and try to flatten that curve has uh, become a lot of things we talk about these days. Okay, I uh, wanted to talk about uh, one other resource that we just learned about today. Um, Crisis Text Line has been around for a while. It helps people that are dealing with anxiety and depression and stress. It's um, exactly what it is. You text somebody um, if you feel like you need someone to talk with and you get a counselor texting you right back um, and just helping you get through things. Um, I've done some work on mental health before. It's a really, really phenomenal service. It's free for people, certainly there for people who might be feeling depressed or sad or wanting, thinking they might want to hurt themselves. Um, and today we learned that, that the Crisis Text Line has launched a new free service specifically for frontline healthcare workers and essential workers. Um, all of our listeners understand, I'm sure, the, the trauma and things that nurses and physicians are going through right now, but, but also not just the people helping those and caring for people in the ICU, but others that, that are watching their colleagues go through it or maybe are suffering some other stresses due to not being able to work. Uh, most of our clients have really great EAP programs. I'm sure every health system across the country does, but at the same time, there are people that are versed using EAP programs. So uh, the crisis text line is a really great resource and um, can be something that you should maybe share with your workforce. It's, it's anonymous, it's free, and it's via text. So it's easy and quick. Jeff, there are a couple of other resources that I want to bring up as well, that's okay. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, IHME, has started building a, they've built a model that predicts peak by state. So I don't know if everyone's seen that. That's the IHME associated with the University of Washington. Um, we're starting to think about using this for local level planning with our clients and understanding when peak projections are expected to hit. Um, as with all models, they're going to be, you know, somewhat wrong. We don't know exactly how right they are, but it gives us an indication of when we're going to see, when we expect to see peaks by market. Yeah, and Ben. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I saw that as well. And, and one thing that um, for, for the listeners out there that are in charge of communications right now and, and working with their health systems on that and closely with their states and governors and Department of Health, that might be something to look at because there may be some discrepancies there. For example, projected bed shortage um, in your area. And if consumers are seeing one thing and, and you might be projecting another, probably important to, to understand that and be able to communicate around the differences. Right. And you and I talked about this briefly, but those are at a state level. And I got to think, uh, you know, a state like California, a state like here in Tennessee that's geographically so long or big, um, those are state level resources. So the idea of making those resources available so, to some of the rural communities um, or having people come into the larger communities for care, it becomes more difficult. So mm -hmm. that's one reason we've started looking at a second data source, which is uh, the COVID Alliance, which is an MIT group that spun off created uh, forecasts for risk at the county level. Their forecast is based on a couple of different clinical conditions like hypertension, diabetes, and obesity, 
but it gives you a risk score at the county level so that when we do start to see the epidemic hit those rural locations, you know which ones are at higher levels of risk. So you can start to plan around, you know, that peak combined with the, the local county scores. Yeah, and that, I think that leads to one of the articles I, I saw today, um, or last night actually maybe, but the New York Times has an article right now about that very issue about the spread to rural counties starting to happen. And um, I think we all know in healthcare about the challenges that rural communities have with healthcare. The article did say that in the last decade, about 120 hospitals in rural counties have closed and more now there's, I think some that have closed uh, during the pandemic. So for our listeners out there, I think for health systems that maybe are in rural counties, um, but also those that aren't, think about how you can partner together with somebody that may not be um, right in your vicinity to, to figure out how resources can be shared in ways that maybe normally wouldn't have to do or that you do in other shared service lines, uh, not just in care or preparation, but even in communication and engagement with the community, which we're going to talk about um, a lot today. So we'll come back to that point. Uh, but let's get into that. Um, we, as, as some listeners may know, a few weeks ago, we did a consumer survey uh, right near the beginning of the pandemic, and it revealed a lot of really interesting things. And we thought uh, it was really worth doing again and um, understanding how things might be changing or not changing for consumers, particularly what they want to hear from hospitals and health systems for, uh, as well as a few other new questions. So we wanted to focus today's show to talk talk about those findings a little bit. Um, they're on our website in the uh, thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19. But Ben, real quick, before we get into the findings, can you just introduce the, the survey a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about the methodology? Sure. So we initiate a survey through a company called Polefish. We design the questions that we want to ask, um, issue those through a series of existing applications so consumers are not being asked to go to a site to do something. It's embedded in their normal um, active use of existing apps. And it's presenting the survey principally mobily for them to answer questions that we're posing through the research instrument. Uh, we're getting back 700 responses, which for the national level is statistically significant, a 95% confidence and with a 4% margin of error. Um, I know that we have put out a dashboard that allows us to drill down to some of those elements and start to parse out regions, states, different demographics. Uh, a word of caution on that. The results quality is going to change when you start mm. kind of drilling down to the smaller samples. Um, so keep that in mind. So we're, like you said, we fielded the second questionnaire. Um, in this questionnaire, we kind of moved away from some of the channels and asking information about the channels necessarily and started to focus more on the um, how does the healthcare provider continue to communicate what frequency, what sorts of information, where is the consumer mindset wise, what are they thirsting for, what do they want to hear, um, and then what are they experiencing personally during mm -hmm. the episode, you know, as individuals, how is it impacting them? Yeah, the, in thinking back to the first survey, we, we found that pretty revealing. Um, number one, that people really trusted hospitals and health systems more than almost anybody else. 
another finding is that people were basically worried about everything. They finance was top, um, but was kind of surprisingly, the second I think thing people were most worried about was the physical health of their family, unrelated to infection. Yeah. Uh, and then we also saw some things around telehealth. So let's get into a few of the the main findings from this one, um, Ben. What do you what do you have for us today? Sure. So. Again, thinking about the, the thirst that consumers have for information, you and I are talking about this as to the frequency that we're searching mm -hmm. for you know, news and updates. Everybody else is just like us. There's a, a high level of daily, inside of the day, you know, search for information updates that consumers are expressing. And again, in our survey, we saw that the preferences for that information to come from local um, healthcare leaders and from local leaders, followed by national healthcare experts. Yep. So, so there, that that demand, that thirst for knowledge, is still there. That thirst for information, for updates, it's still at a daily basis um, and inside of a day. And uh, that that thirst is big. We we saw that New York Times, for example, their readership has jumped 100. Yep. percent That's a lot. Um, and for our hospitals and health systems, I think uh, they're, they're cranking out information and they probably think they're pushing out a lot, but this seems to say that there's probably more they could be pushing out. I, I think it does suggest that um, at some point, the, you know, the health systems have to decide how much they can push out. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd, I'd say the demand or the interest is there for daily and inside of a day. So the idea of using websites as communication tools idea of using electronic newsletters or push notification of some sort um, is, is valuable and I think at this point hoped for by the consumer base. That's what we're seeing. What were some of the topics? We, we definitely asked about things they're interested in. Can you talk a little bit about what the, the survey showed there? Yeah, sure. So there's still an expectation. I think I have uh, a friend who's a, a newspaper person in West Tennessee, and he always says, um, all, all news is local news, right? Nobody mm -hmm. cares at the national level so much. They want to know, what does it mean to me? What does it mean locally to me? So community level updates, what's happening in my market? How many people affected? Are things okay? Do we have beds? That kind of information I think is, uh, is hoped for. Um, where to go for testing. We saw that people still don't know exactly where to go, when the conditions are right for them to go, when the symptoms have triggered mm -hmm. kind of that threshold to actually go get tested. So that is something that we saw last time. And then again, this time it stayed very high on the interest list for, for that kind of communication. Um, another thing that we saw this time is the the idea that uh, people are taking kind of the guidelines very seriously, they're taking the personal protective equipment ideas, the social distancing, and they're putting those into effect. But interestingly, they don't necessarily think that everybody else is. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's I'm better than you, I'm doing the right things, you over there, I see you, you know, standing out in the yard, whatever. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what's happening, but there's certainly being communicated the idea that, uh, that everyone else isn't doing the things that they need to do. 
Yeah, that's a pretty common phenomenon, I think, when in surveying that people have a little bit of better view of themselves oftentimes than, than they do others. Um, I, I found it interesting that people still feel like they don't have enough information on testing mm -hmm. because um, I, the implication there to me is something that we, we always know if you're marketing communication, but uh, I at least kind of over overlooked at this point, which is you have to tell people things multiple times over and over people take in information and, and also retain it differently. And then you add on that a crisis and probably the emotional factors of that impact how people think about things. And even if you were to, I would love to quiz somebody um, say, well, what do you think you should do? And I wonder if they'd be right. They'd probably be right, but they still feel like they want more. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting that I, I think will be increasingly a challenge for, for health systems is the information people want about cost. Uh, never an easy topic for us to, to deal with. Um, and certainly would think that'd be something that the health plans and, and others would be really there to provide for consumers and just make sure they know get treatment and that's number one but it seems like that may not be a message getting out there either. And so I think for us, for, for our listeners, getting out there with the message, remember they probably are not tired of it. We'll get tired of it before they are. think that it's been said, um, but it's, it's really critical. Ben, tell us about another finding. Sure. So I think we had asked in the first survey about telehealth and how many people were aware of it, familiar with it, whether or not they had information on how to access it. And that probably was the most, the biggest jump that we saw between the two sessions is that um, the awareness of telehealth jumped by 13%. So the communication about we have, uh, you know, this option of telehealth, the probably public communication about its existence, some of the social distancing, I think are all driving people to have a more expressed interest in understanding more about telehealth and what it can provide to them. Um, from the survey findings, I think if I looked really closely, we would see about 71%, and the numbers aren't on this chart, but 71% of consumers are interested in using telehealth at this point, mm -hmm. which I, I think is, uh, it's the most significant jump. It also says that uh, that option, that care option, needs to be communicated if it's part of the fabric of your care within the community that you have. Yeah, 71% are interested. That's a big jump from last time, and as well as awareness. The, the thing I think... Um, it's kind of fascinating is that we've been pushing this we the healthcare providers and certainly virtual virtual care for for more than a decade and now this moment is here but some of that data still says that while they're interested they're not necessarily equipped maybe to take action um or they're they're uncomfortable with it mm -hmm. yeah and that that comes out when you look at uh who a consumer is going to reach out to first, they're going to reach out to who they know, right? And that's mm -hmm. the primary care physician. And almost 50%, I think it was in the 40s, 40 some odd percent said, that's my first point of contact. So in the event that primary care physician offices aren't open or can't deal with that capacity, I think it starts to be a, a very good overflow option to put in place. Yeah. Now, sooner rather than later, pre-peak, you know. 
Well, and we, we try not to think too much ahead sometimes because we are in a crisis, but, but our jobs, we do, we do try to look ahead. And one of the things I think marketers really need to be thinking about when it comes to virtual health and telehealth right now is you still need to think about the experience because most systems will want this to be something in some fashion that continues post pandemic. Of course, we still want patients to, to come into our offices and, and that sort, but there is a benefit for, for consumers. If they, if they do have a good experience, it can be very convenient. It could also be more cost effective. So health systems, I think, and marketers in particular need to think about what are they doing to support a really good experience for physicians and patients, uh, not just getting them the information and knowing, but certainly they're getting the information and make sure they know how to access it. But do you have teams that are available to coach physicians, not just on the technology side, but on how to really deliver a good experience uh, for for patients because the physicians, many of them that are doing it now, we've got a client that had 6,000 sessions yesterday, which is an unbelievably uh, higher number than they've ever had before. So 6,000, there definitely have some physicians that, that are just doing virtual care for the first time. Um, but certainly there's things on the patient side too that, that, that can make that experience good. I think from that, we start to, to think about how long this is going to last. And that's mm -hmm. one of the questions that we asked in the survey is, what's your expectation of the duration for this kind of situation? And 69% of the people that are you know, that were surveyed said it's going to take three months or longer. So um, I think there's a, a realistic expectation that we're in for a three to six to nine kind of month period before normal is reached again. Right. Yeah, so, normal. Normal. What's normal going to be, Jeff? I don't know what normal is right now, or when it's going to be. Yeah. Do um, I think that that made me think about two things? I guess that takeaway. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's good in some ways that the consumers are realistic about how what's happening, but there's definitely an impact on us. They, you had mentioned earlier, some of the topics they want to hear from us about are wellness topics. Mm -hmm. Yep. So health systems and investing and communicating about that and engaging people around that. Um, the second is to me, if they know this is going to be three to six months, um, we have another partner where we work with a lot of public opinion surveys that just ran us a, a research study. And one of the fascinating findings to me that I think is going to stick with me, 12% of people said they will never shake hands again. <laughs> So what does that mean? There's clearly a lot of room between normal and never shaking hands again and people being in this for three to six months. So for, for healthcare providers, what kind of information should they be thinking about getting to people beyond just COVID right now in their homes um, as it relates to care? Right. And that's one of the, one of the things that we keep inquiring about is the, the level of expectation that consumers have specifically from health systems on that kind of topic. And you mentioned earlier that um, concern for family well-being was among the top kind of responses. So anything that helps uh, people navigate this time where we're not normal, where you have to isolate in place, where you're you know, with your family unit right now, whatever that is, 
um, the mental well-being coming through that, the physical well-being, maintaining exercise, putting boundaries in place so that we're not mm-hmm. working, you know, 16 hours a day, which we kind of maybe do, but, right. but uh, you know, putting those boundaries in place so that the backside of this doesn't look like just this wasteland of people that are emotionally, physically, you know, exhausted, destroyed, and um, the implications of that on, on the health system later on, so... And, 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 and we heard we heard the request communicate things like that a very strong interest in communicating anything that helps people maintain that that wellness during this time period and we have an advantage right now people are actually wanting and paying attention to us and expected from us uh, I think though it's an advantage that we can't take for granted we still have to be differentiated in our messages we have to deliver it in a place that they can see it we, we are still competing for their attention and we can't let that go so chase uh, i think i think we've covered it any questions that we we can get into i think the question i have is how long do we i mean i know we mentioned like we, we don't know how long this is going to be uh and and mm-hmm. ben you mentioned some some things on wealth or health like kind of general health guidelines but what like how long do we communicate around COVID as a system and is there other content that we need to be pushing out either afterwards or just at the same time? Ben, you want to you want to go first on that one? Sure. sure. So I, I think with the the peak information that we're seeing from the IMHE, uh, we have an idea of how long it's going to be until we hit that peak saturation point for. Um, health system demand. I think absolutely the guideline communications keep going through that time period. The consumer response, I'm following the guidelines, everybody else isn't, suggests that it makes sense to keep that message going. And Jeff, I think you made the comment, you don't just get to say it once or twice, one PSA, two PSAs, you got to keep it running, seven, eight, nine touch points. We've also seen flattening of the curve models that are starting to suggest that fewer people are going to be infected and um, suffer mortality as a result. Mm-hmm. And those are reflecting positive adoption of those guidelines. So anything that keeps that kind of thread, communication, suggestion, recommendation going is crucial. And through yeah. the peak period. I totally agree. I think there's a couple other things to think about on COVID information specifically. So COVID-19 information specific to at-risk populations who who have been maybe not been able to get care because it's not emergent condition, but maybe things are getting worse for them um, when they're not getting the chance to go see a routine appointment. And, and they're wondering how they should be taking care of themselves or maybe the caregiver, uh, somebody in their family that doesn't necessarily have to think about this as much as now worrying about their condition and how to help take care of themselves. So health systems, I think, really can get specific personalized information out to these at-risk populations, some of it related to COVID-19, some of it just related to their condition and helping them feel confident and informed and knowing how to manage these things um, and when to say, yes, I need help and I need help right now. Uh, So all your websites that have service line information or specialty information, we should be directing people and have some custom information there. There's also, of course, I think the opportunity for people that have scheduled 
appointments um, that couldn't go to stay in front of them. So whether it's a hip surgery or some skin condition or something else, it, it doesn't mean, hey, call us when the pandemic's over. That you can really win a lot of loyalty and also, of course, help people get through this by personalizing communication, staying in front of them, maybe easily utilizing some staff even to just place calls, uh, staff that can check in on people, make sure they're doing okay, maybe direct them to virtual care if, if that's appropriate. I think those are really important things. Um, and then lastly, um, it's definitely not too soon, I think, to plan for if, if you think your area is going to be out of the peak in a month, there will be pent up demand um, for your services. So thinking about those things, um, not only talking to your staff about that, but, but of course, starting to make sure that you've got plans in place to market those services is, is really critical. The last thing I'll say on that is uh, your workforce. Um, I think every every health system I've talked to is is doing a tremendous amount to celebrate their workforce and they know what's happening and supporting them. But that that has to go for a long time because they're also gonna have a lot of challenges coming out of what's happening right now, but then dealing with um, how things will flip in in three months for the system and, and kind of go up and down. So um I think we are right at time. My, my good chase to wrap. Yeah, I think that's rapid. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening uh, either live or who've downloaded the podcast. Um, if there's anything you want us to cover, please post it in the zoom chat now, or just reach out to, to chase and I through the website. Um, tomorrow we've got a great host. Um, uh, Chris Bevelo is the host. We also have a new guest, uh, Steve Telliano, who's the Assistant Vice Chancellor of Strategic Communications at UC Davis in California. They were actually uh, the first medical center in California to have a, a confirmed case, and they're doing a lot of things. So Steve's going to talk about maybe some of the unique challenges from academic medical center. Uh, thank you, Ben, for joining us today. Happy to, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, and remember everyone to visit our website, thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for a recording of today's episode um, and get additional content, including the survey that Ben Ben walked us through today. Um, we'll be happy to, to ask, answer any questions there. There's also a great dashboard, as Ben said, where you can dive into yourself. Um, please, please tell others about the podcast who might want to listen. Um, finally, to all of you out there, hang in there, keep up the amazing work, the skills you bring, uh, to your organizations as marketers and communicators are more valuable than ever right now and helping us move through the crisis. So we'll be back tomorrow and every weekday until this all passes. Talk to you then. <laughs>